0: My friends, uh, what follows is a homily I gave back in August at St. Charles Bormeo in Arlington on the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's a homily on faith. Faith in God, of course, but also in a special way, faith in the Eucharist. We get the definition in the readings of that Mass from Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. seemed so uh, pertinent to me anyhow uh, in this time of the pandemic when the people of God uh, who long so much for the Eucharist are unable to receive it physically, uh, receiving only the spiritual communion. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for. This is a time perhaps when we uh, long for, we hope for, we truly are, um, well, it's like we're in the desert. Uh, this desire that we have is being uh, stirred up in us, this greater uh, level of faith, the realization of what is hoped for. We do hope for this pandemic to end, and it will end, and we will be able to uh, come to pray Uh, together and to receive our Eucharistic Lord again. Evidence of this thing unseen, uh, though, can still be obtained for us in a very beautiful, uh, not complete way, of course, but in the spiritual communion that we can all have, even every day as we um, follow the live stream masses, the recorded masses at our own parishes or parishes uh, throughout our diocese and throughout the world so i'd encourage you to uh spend some time um meditating on the readings from the 19th sunday in ordinary time it came from wisdom chapter 18 verses 6 through 9. we sang uh from psalm 33 and again we went to for that second reading hebrews 11 verses 1 through 2 and 8 through 9 and then luke chapter 12 uh verses 32 through 48, where we were reminded to not be afraid. Such good words, a um, uh, reminder to us in uh, these difficult times of this pandemic. I'd encourage you to meditate with those readings and then to uh, just prayerfully listen uh, to this homily I gave back in August. And may God be praised. See you on the other side. God bless you.
1: My friends, as I prayed with the readings throughout the week, it seems that uh, one of the common themes anyhow is faith, of course. Uh, we have in this first reading from Wisdom, uh, well, they, they're they looking back at the Passover and that it was an incredible act that gave them freedom. And they look back at this, at this uh, tremendous gift from the Lord uh, in faith, men and women of faith. We, of course, get the definition of uh, faith in a certain sense, of course, in that second reading from Hebrews. Even in today's gospel, we see that men and women that, uh, well, that are vigilant uh, are men and women of faith and so we are called to be men and women of faith opening ourselves up to the infinite grace really that is being offered to us especially here in the Holy Mass opening ourselves up to the truths of the incredible mysteries of our faith even when they are difficult to understand or even to believe. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. You know, Abraham is such a great example. He's called even the father of our faith, and we've been perhaps talking and meditating upon his great life over these last few weeks. I know I've been uh, doing that and even preaching on it. He's such a good example for us. Recall his story. He and his wife, Sarah, barren and called at age 75 to go not a lot of directions you are going to be the father of a great nation I'm barren (laughs) not sure how this is going to happen but he went in faith and he waited 11 years finally Sarah comes to him I thought you were going to be this father of a great nation no kids why don't you have intimacy with our maid (laughs) with my maid and Ishmael was born and again they wait In faith, he waits until he's 99, 13 more years, and he's visited by these three men, a symbol of the Trinity. And he is told after welcoming them into his tent and welcoming them with great hospitality that as they're leaving, by this time next year, you will have your heir. And he believed. Sarah laughed, but he believed. And Isaac is the great gift And then we know the story, not right then did he have to uh, sacrifice his son or be willing to, but perhaps 10, 13 years later, we know Isaac is the one that had the wood on his back. After Abraham had a chance to truly get attached to his son, he's asked to sacrifice him. And then we see this beautiful line in, in today's, uh, well, he reasoned that God was able to raise even from the dead. God had told him his plan. He believed in his plan. He didn't know how it would happen. And then even when his plan was seemingly going to be thrown away, well, he must have a way of doing this. Maybe he's going to raise Isaac from the dead. That, my friends, is what true and deep faith looks like. And it is a gift. It's a gift from our baptism so we do have faith. But I can tell you, I know uh, firsthand, but it's sometimes difficult to have faith. We look around and we wonder perhaps sometimes where is God? El Paso, Dayton. There's so many examples of incredible violence in our world. Cancer, mental illness. So many addicted, opioid crisis, infertility, so many struggling in this way. There's so much suffering in our world. Where is God in all this? It can be sometimes difficult to have faith. You know, I've been speaking about this pilgrimage I was on a few weeks ago to France and Italy. We're walking through the footsteps of St. Trez's visit to Rome. We took a little side trip we went to Lanciano. We took a pilgrimage there to a place where a priest 1,300 years ago had a lack of faith in the Eucharist. And as he's celebrating Holy Mass in the year 700 something, in the 8th century, he was lacking faith that transubstantiation would occur. And something amazing happened. The Eucharist, the sacred host, began to look like a piece of flesh. The the precious blood, truly the precious blood, but it began to look and have the properties of blood. Over the centuries, over the last 1,300 years, they've done experiments on this Eucharistic miracle. They've done experiments even as late as the 1900s, In in the 20th century they did experiments on this Eucharistic miracle. And they discovered, they sent samples of especially the host, they sent it off to anonymous, uh, anonymously, tell us what this is, to atheists, to non-Catholic scientists. And they told us, they told the world that this sample that they received from that Eucharistic miracle is human flesh. It's human flesh for a particular part of the body. It's living flesh, by the way. 1,300 years later, living flesh of the inner wall of the human heart. This is what we receive in the Eucharist. God himself, my friends. And I had the great privilege of celebrating Mass, literally feet from this beautiful Eucharistic miracle. I've been wanting to go there for more than 20 years since I first learned about it but after being there and after praying in front of this great miracle I'll be honest to say that I well I was a little uh, I felt a little cheated because there right before me I could look in a certain sense at the reality of what we will receive here in a few moments and I was I felt like I was cheated the Lord in a certain sense stole my opportunity to act with faith what will, what will come up this aisle as bread and wine will, through this broken priest, become God himself on this altar. My friends, I know this is difficult sometime to believe. And in fact, we now have a Pew study from last week that even tells us that many Catholics struggle to believe in the Eucharist. So shockingly, 69% of self-described Catholics believe the Holy Eucharist to be only a symbol. My friends, I'm not sure why we would be here if that is the case. But I can tell you that's what I did for many years. I didn't really think about it. I didn't know. And so this is why we must speak about it. Do you know, 22% know that we teach transubstantiation, that at the level of the substance, the bread and wine are changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. 22% know this teaching, yet reject it. These are Catholics, my friends. Sadly, and most surprisingly to me, 37% of weekly Catholics reject the teachings of the church in regards to what will happen on this altar, through this priest, uh, whether we believe or not. Many, it seems, do not believe in the central teaching of the church. If, if true, it's really a crisis in our church because this is the source and summit of our faith. Surely this is why many Catholics do not go to Mass every Sunday and many only on Christmas and Easter. Why would we regularly come if it's simply a symbol? It requires no faith. Bishop Barron even spoke about this. He says, we've fallen into the air of Immanuel Kant. We've reduced religion, many have, simply to moral values, to a morality of sorts. I'm a good person. I serve the poor. I don't have to believe in the teachings of the Church in regards to the Holy Eucharist. My friends, morality is important. It is so central to who we are as Catholic Christians. But it is not everything. Faith is needed. Look at all the great saints. Look at Mother Teresa, a wonderful modern day saint. You cannot perhaps match her her charity going into the poorest of the poor, giving herself over to these people out of love for God and his church and for the love of these people. Yet she would not miss her holy hour in front of the Eucharist. In every chapel of the Missionaries of Charity, I thirst, knowing that he thirsts for her. He thirsts for us. And he makes himself available in such a beautiful way uh, in the most blessed sacrament. You know, if God can make the whole world out of nothing... Do we not know that he can also make bread and wine transubstantiated, changed into his very self? Of course, we get the the, uh, central, really the bulk of the teaching on the Eucharist comes from Christ himself in John chapter 6, what we call the bread of life discourse. Jesus himself, God says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And then it goes on to say the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's really not the right question, my friends. Why is it in our pride we sometimes are trying to answer uh, the how questions? Isn't the more important question, why? Why would Jesus do this? I hope you already know that answer. Because he loves you, and he loves me. This is why he gives us himself as heavenly food. Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, And my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. And I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I have life because of the father. So also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. Then many of his disciples who were listening said this saying is hard. Who can accept it? My friends, this saying is hard, but it's not about how he's doing it. Again, it's about why he is, because he loves. And since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to him, does this shock you? Yes, it is shocking. What if you were to see the Son of Man, he says, ascending to where he was before? My friends, do we not know that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended into the sacraments? He did not leave us. He made it possible for us to have even greater intimacy with him through the sacraments, most especially the most blessed sacrament, the Eucharist. As a result of this, it says, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Do you think because he would have known what they were thinking, he would have known what was on their heart? If really he meant symbol, do you not think he would have corrected them knowing that they are walking away from grace? But he did not. He turned to the twelve and he says, Do you also want to leave? And Simon Peter, in this great act of faith, says, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. My friends, this is difficult, but we open ourselves up to truth, and we believe. Uh, well, and maybe we say that beautiful prayer, Lord, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. You know, St. Tres has a beautiful uh, quote on this. She says, do You realize that Jesus is there in the tabernacle expressly for you expressly for you, for you alone, she says. He burns with a desire to come into your heart. Go without fear then to receive the Jesus of peace and love. My friends, there is power in the most blessed sacrament. There's power in the Eucharist in and through faith. God has made himself manifest so that we can be more like him so that we could find peace and joy, so we can find the freedom that he made possible for the people of Israel so long ago as talked about in wisdom through the Passover, through faith, ultimately, my friends, so that we could find eternal life. You know, today, if it were not Sunday, it would be St. Clair's Feast Day. I had the great privilege on this pilgrimage to also go there in Assisi and to celebrate Holy Mass in that convent. So long ago, where she went into the tabernacle, Assisi was being invaded by a neighboring town. Being invaded, she went into the tabernacle, she got the ciborium filled with the most blessed sacrament. She went out on that front porch and just held that, that ciborium up. A great light shone from that ciborium. And the army, the invading army, literally stopped dead in their tracks. Not literally dead, but they stopped. And they turned around in fear. My friends, she did that because she had faith. And many came to come to believe. Ask for an increase in faith. We know from the baptism that we have it. It's been our life's mission to till the soil around it. Allow the light of Christ upon it watering his grace and growing that great gift pray ask for an increase in faith spend some time with him, with Holy Scripture spend some time with the Lord be generous and get to confession and remove any obstacles to the grace he desires to give you and even if we do struggle with this teaching of transubstantiation if we have if we do struggle to believe we ought to just act as if it's true and see what happens. I promise the Lord will transform your hearts. Be here every week, offering ourselves to him as sacrifice, as in the sacrifice that he has offered to us and receive so much more. Prepare to receive more worthily the most blessed sacrament. Spend some time in true prayer beforehand and full and active participation throughout the mass. And of course, prepare ourselves by going to confession regularly, perhaps once a month. And then we receive with great reverence, as if you're receiving not just a symbol, because you're not, but God himself, and he desires to encounter us in a very intimate way. And then finally, offer a prayer of thanksgiving. In that moment, for about 20 minutes, we are all mini-tabernacles. People out there in Clarendon Square literally ought to be genuflecting to you as you're going off to brunch. This is the reality of God living within us and trying to transform us more perfectly into his image and likeness. My friends, the gospel begins by saying, do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. He is literally determined to give you the kingdom because he has made himself present in the most blessed sacrament, so we should be prepared, we should be vigilant, we should gird our loins and light our lamps, as the deacon was saying, await the master's return, and await his presence here on this altar in literally a couple of minutes. But as we know, the gospel ends by saying, much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. God is inviting us all to great depth with great intimacy. He's encouraging us. He's calling us to a beautiful relationship with him and he wants to feed us with his very self here today. May God be praised in our response. Amen. Amen.